I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. As athletes with big goals, success is what we work so hard for. It's what we dream about. It's what we long for. And often that success tastes so sweet in the beginning, but sometimes it starts to turn bitter and it morphs into these giant unrealistic expectations we place on our shoulders that we will never live up to. Today's guest got that sweet taste of success at just 16 years old. It snowballed into more and more success. Chanel Price felt like she had made it. But as she entered college, that success turned into a skewed self-worth that left her constantly seeking validation through her performance. And as she dealt with injuries and missing the podium, she struggled to feel like her life had any value at all. In this episode, Chanel opens up about this very dark time in her life. And the best part, she tells us how she broke free and found peace. However, her journey wasn't all sunshine and roses after this breakthrough, but she was more prepared for the challenges that were still to come. Chanel walks us openly through the mountain peaks and the dark valleys of her career. She shows us how to develop character in the pursuit of our goals and how our why can keep us going and push us to where we need to be. Before we jump into the episode, I want to read you a five-star review that we received on Apple iTunes from Stacy. It's titled, Must Listen for Athletes. It reads, this podcast does an excellent job of addressing the many challenges of being a high-performance athlete, including nutrition, mental health, training slumps, and more. While we pause for COVID, I think this is a great listen for parents of athletes striving for higher level sports. Lots to learn. Thank you so much for that review, Stacey. I really love your perspective as a parent, and I hope that this podcast will continue to help you and all the parents listening guide and direct your athlete to help them achieve their goals and also become champions in life as well. And the absolute best way that you can help continue to support this podcast is to leave these great reviews just like Stacy. Just subscribe to the Pursuit of Gold podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Give us a five-star rating and a raving review. Who knows? Maybe I'll read yours in the next episode. All right. I believe that there is gold in your future. So let's dive on into this episode with Chanel Price. Chanel Price, welcome to the Pursuit of Gold podcast. I am so excited to hear your story today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to just talk to you and uh, kind of just reminisce. It's always fun to, to reminisce. So Definitely. Well, okay. I love hearing kind of how our guests got introduced to their sports. So I would love it if you could just start off by kind of telling us how you found your way into track in the first place. Oh, absolutely. So growing up, my mom and dad introduced my older brother and I to pretty much every sport you could think of. <laughs> um, for me, it was at a young age, I started dance at three and then, oh, wow. um, yeah. And then soccer and basketball and baseball with the boys, softball, nice. <laughs> tennis. Yeah. Just everything. But I remember, uh, in soccer, I just, I, I couldn't stand still. Even if they put me on defense, I'd end up <laughs> all over the field playing offense. I was just running all over and 
the coach said did really get her into track and field. Um, she, you know, she's, she's, she's good at running. So yeah, that's kind of how it started that the soccer coach suggested that, uh, we, that my parents get me into track. So, so how old were you when that transition happened? My daughter's five playing soccer. And then I, what you're saying reminds me of her. She's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe I was eight, eight or nine years old when I started, when my mom sought out a track club for me to join and And honestly, I didn't really like it. I definitely preferred more of the team aspect of like soccer or basketball. Um, I just, I just didn't really find track fun. It felt more like punishment. (laughs) So yeah, it was probably my least favorite of of all the activities I was doing. Well, so, and this is new to me because I, I haven't heard of that many track clubs. Like I thought it was always kind of once you get to junior high or high school, there's like the school teams, but are there a lot of track clubs? Is that pretty common now? Absolutely. Especially where I'm from on the East Coast, there's there's so many club teams. They're very, very popular. So yeah, that, that at least where, where I'm from, the UC, you see a lot of track and field clubs for the, for the youngsters. Well that's, well, that's great. That's really cool. Well, I mean, you got pretty good pretty fast. I mean, at just 16 years old, you were already competing on the biggest stage in American track and field, the U.S. Outdoor Championships. And the very next year, like you, you ran the second fastest high school 800 of all time, which earned you a spot to compete in the U.S. Olympic trials. And you were named Gatorade's female high school athlete of the year. Like, were you just riding on a high? Did you even understand what was going on at that point? Uh, I did. I did. When I when I got to high school, like I said, I was doing all those other sports. But when, when I got to high school, my parents sat me down and said, you know, we think it's, it's time for you to focus on one thing. We're getting tired from running you all around. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it, we think you should focus on one thing and try to earn a scholarship and college and they kind of persuaded me to to focus on track. It wasn't my first choice, but they saw something in me that I didn't quite see yet. And, and they, they really believed that track could take me far. And so I listened to them and I respected, <laughs> I respected their opinion. And um, yeah, once I started to uh, that singular focus on track, once I got to high school, you know, it, it really paid off. Um, yeah. I just, I just worked really hard at it. And my mom would actually, I didn't, I trained with my high school coach, but I also did an extra practice with a club, with my club coach in Philadelphia, which was about an hour and a half away from my high school. Yeah. So my mom, you know, she sacrificed a lot. She would pick me up after a long day parole officer in a prison. She would pick me up, rush me to Philadelphia in order to make that club practice. And that's where I really think uh, I started to see my potential because that club coach, he had a way of of really getting the best out of me. And so, yeah, I, I just, like you said, kept getting better and better each year. And um, I started to enjoy track more, the better I got. So. <laughs> that, well, that was going to be my question. Like, was it the success that made you enjoy it at that point? Or did you actually start to appreciate what you're doing? Or I, yeah, how did the, how did the <laughs> mindset change? Oh, well, I think, it, it, I think at first it was this, the success. I mean, the, the, the club coach that I mentioned in Philadelphia it, it was brutal. I remember the first practice. I was just like, mom, I'm not going back to that. That's like boot camp. <laughs> and, she, and she's like, no, like you're not a quitter. You can do it. And so once I started getting used to that, that level of high intensity training and I started to see it paying off and I started to win, I think 
oh, okay, I'm good at this. Oh, the, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like winning. So it was definitely the success that, that, uh, yeah. that got me to like it. <laughs> it just sucked you right in. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, okay. I stalked you a little bit online, like any good podcast host should. And, um, you know, I saw in one video that you've struggled with insecurity growing up. Like how, how did that come into play with track? Was it something that was totally separate from track or was it something that, that you felt that way in the track environment also? Yeah, I think growing up, I just never thought I was good looking. I never felt pretty. And so because I was good at sports, that's where my self-worth came from. So the insecurity always had to do with looks, but I was so popular and getting so much attention, especially once I got to the high school age because of what I was doing on the track, that that is what built up my self-worth and my identity. And I'm Chanel Price, this track star. And now, you know, now I feel worthy. And so that is where my um, sense of identity came from was my achievement on the track. And so if you had a bad track meet, was that, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that didn't happen very much in high school. High school was just, just riding the wave. Like you said, just, you know, Gatorade after the year, like that, that's how I ended my high school career. And the challenges really didn't come until I went off to the university of Tennessee. And like, like if I, I wasn't even the best on the team anymore and, you know, I was losing now and I was getting injured and it's like, Whoa, like what is, this is a whole new world for me. You know, I don't know who I am if I'm not Chanel Price, the track star. And so that just started a whole downward dark path for me throughout my college years at Tennessee. And in what way did that play out in dark years? Like, was it just more self-worth issues or what, how exactly take me through it? Yeah. So I just went off to college pretty um, naive thinking that I was still going to dominate because I was running college times in high school, you know? So I thought that I was just still going to ride this wave. I was still going to be, you know, the it girl. I was going to be getting all this attention and just winning and dominating and a lot of expectation and pressure on myself to uphold that, you know, that status that I had achieved. And first of all, I have learned that when I put all of that pressure and expectation on myself that I do not run well. <laughs> it was like a hundred pound weight on my shoulders every time I went to race and it, it just showed like I was not the same. And so then now that I'm not running well, because of all of the pressure now it's like, okay, well, who am I if I'm not running well? Like, it was just kind of like this cycle of pressure, not running well, deep hole pressure, not running well. And, you know, I, it it was, it was, it was really, really, really tough. And I hit it well. I'm a, I'm a pretty positive person and I can, and I can smile in, in front of people and kind of fake it till I make it. But behind closed doors, like I was really, really, really struggling. So how do you come back from that? How do you move past that or get through that or get over it? Right, right. And so, I I survived college and by no means was it a hot. So it never got better in college. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, it was pretty, it was pretty bad by my senior year. If not, it was probably the worst by my senior year because now I'm a senior and I have to, I have to earn a contract and I want to go pro. And so now you're talking about the most pressure I've ever put on myself was definitely my senior year because I want, I wanted to turn pro. So it never got any better throughout college. 
I mean, did this just keep snowballing down like as you are transitioning into professional athlete? Because you're still performing well, though. I mean, you still did well in college. Right. And and you're moving forward. It's like, does this dawn on you that it's it's holding you back at all? At the time, I didn't really know what the problem was. I, I just... Yeah, I did. I didn't really know the issue. Um, I I remember my first year out of college. Um, I you know how you go pro in track and field is you know you sign a a deal with a shoe sponsor, and that didn't happen for me my senior year of college. And so my parents agreed to support me financially my first year out of college so that I could pursue this dream of turning pro. And so I just committed my my every second of the day. I didn't have school anymore. Uh. So now I can really eat, sleep, and drink track and field, which <laughs> looking back, that was a recipe for disaster for me. But yeah, in 2013, that was my first year out. And I'm just doing everything I can to prove to these shoe companies that I'm worthy of a contract. And I just, at the, at the meet that, you know, that would determine that our USA championships, I didn't make the final. And so now I know I'm not going to get a contract. And so I just returned to my hotel room at that meet and I'm just like pretty much suicidal. Like I just, I, I had put my whole year into this. My parents are supporting me financially. I just felt like a complete failure. I felt worthless. I felt like why, why is life, why is life worth living if I'm not going to be Chanel Price, the track star? That's how deep this was for me. Wow. You know, it was pretty bad. And in that moment, you know, up until this point, I, I knew of God. I, I wasn't raised a Christian, but you know, I, I I was I was kind of exploring it in college. Not mm. really, but kind of, sort of thinking about was, it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But in this moment, in 2013, at that hotel room at the USA Championships, I distinctly remember hearing "Chase after me, like you chase after track," and I was just like, "What? Wow! God, what? Like what? I don't know what that means. I did like I had no idea what that meant." And when you're at these USA championships, there's always um, like a a Christian mentor available for for athletes there for you to reach out to. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to her. I found her email. I reached out to her. I'm like, hey, I'm distraught. I'm, you know, suicidal, but I just heard this still small voice say this to me. What does this mean? And um, her name is Jody. And from that moment, from that uh, day in 2013, Jody has been my spiritual mentor. So, I mean, we talk weekly, but yeah, I just reached out to her and I'm like, I need help. I don't know what faith is. I don't know who God is. I don't even know if I'm really a Christian. Can you please just mentor me? Take take me under your wing. Cause like I, either it's that, or I take my life. Like I, there's no, you know, it's gotten this bad. And so, yeah. And so the journey of Christianity started then in 2013. Wow. So is that kind of what helped you see what was going on? Oh, absolutely. Right away. I started this study with her. Um, oh, I wish I remembered the name. I'm going to kill myself for not remembering that. Oh man. But we just, well, kinda... if you do, we can add it to the show notes. So, <laughs> we can, we can, okay. We can. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, she just kind of just broke it down for me. Like Chanel, this is a gift from God. It's not, you know, he, he, all he wants you to do is just do your best with it and have fun with it and, and, and maximize it. But you don't have to put all this pressure on yourself. And, and guess what? Your worth is not based off 
of how you perform out there on the track. <laughs> he doesn't love you any more or less, but if you have a medal on your <laughs> neck or not, you know, he loves you because he God is love and, and you're and you know, and so she just broke it down for me so and I, it was just I was like, Wow, like God loves me. Like I was just so new to it all and it was just amazing to hear and just to to hear how I could use my gift to glorify him. And and that's all he asked. And I don't have to put all this pressure on myself and I'm worthy because, you know, I'm his daughter and and his word says I am. And so it was just, it was life-changing. And I, that following year in 2014, I still don't have a contract, but, you know, I tell my parents, hey, I'm 22, 20, I forget, 22, 23 now. I don't want you supporting me financially. I'm going to work and I'm going to train to try to earn a contract. Wow. They agree, you know, and so I get two part-time jobs. I'm training, but I I just have, I remember reaching out to Jody and be like, man, I just have this even though my life is crazy right now and I'm so busy and it's hectic, like I have so much peace. And she's like, you're experiencing the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, my days were hectic and it was hard and I was tired, but I would just keep saying to whom much is given, much is required, to whom much is given, much is required. And so, and then the, the, the biggest difference, not only experiencing that peace and joy, but also on the track, I was that year, 2014, right from the get-go in January, my, like, I just remember I was just a completely different person on the track. I was running well. I felt free. I was happy. And that year was the year that I went on to win the 2014 Indoor World Championships. So it was like... And not only did you win that, you became the only American woman ever to win a gold medal (laughs) in the 800 meter at that world meet. Yes, yes. And it was just like, yeah, it was like, wow. But... I was still a very immature believer. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, oh, I won because I started serving God. So I won, you know, that kind of like, you know, it's easy to distort in your mind. It really is. Yeah. Right. Right. And oh, and because I love God and and serve God now, now I'm not going to have any trials and I'm just going to keep on winning. And it's just, (laughs) yeah, I was just so... Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was a few uh, a few months later, I was going to learn that that was not the case. <laughs> oh, okay. So what happened a few months later? Just keep it going. Yeah, yeah. A few months later, you know, I, I'm still running well in the outdoor season. I, you know, I think I ran a, a personal best shortly after. I'm I'm ripping. I'm rolling, and then I break a bone in my foot. And now I'm like, okay, God, what, what did I do to deserve this? Like that type of thought thinking, you know? And so I would say at that time when I broke my foot and I was not able to go to, oh, well, let me rewind. After I won that indoor world championships, I earned my contract. So I was able, I was able to quit those part-time jobs. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So yeah, now we're in 2014, the outdoor season. I'm running well. I break my foot. I'm like, okay, well, I am like, well, if I'm, what's the point of kind of being all in with God if, like if I'm going to experience trials anyway, that, that was kind of my immature uh, believer uh, thought process. And so I started this kind of like, oh, this gray area. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pray and I'm going to go to church, to do my own thing. So that type of not really all in type of uh, Christianity for, for a few years there, I was just kind of, oh, just, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pray, but I'm also going to 
party and drink and, 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 you know, just using, using God when you need him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because (laughs) I just, yeah, I was so new to it and yeah, it was, it was uh, a few years there that I definitely was, was not all in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What kind of brought you out of that? Yeah. So I moved to Phoenix, Arizona in the fall of 2016 to start training with a new coach and I got to a point in Phoenix where, you know, I had money, I had success, I had, you know, attention from guys, I had attention on social media, I had from from the outside looking in what looked like a very, very perfect life. But on the inside, I felt very, very empty. I felt very, very unfulfilled. And I just, I was just like, what has changed over these past few years? And I'm like, oh, you've drifted. You have not, you have not, you know, returned to that 2013, 2014 Chanel who was just so desperate for God and his presence. And so I just had a wake up call. Uh, I remember I was just at a low point inside where I just felt empty. And I was like, you know what, God, you know, I have, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to you. Kind of like the, the, the prodigal, the story of the, the prodigal son, like I'm back, take me back, please. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I was just like, you know, God, and, you know, I, I'm going to remove all these idols out of my life. And I just want to be all in with you and, and do what you have to do to grow me and to mature me. Mm. And oof, you got to be careful when you say like that. Yes, you do. <laughs> because when I tell you the past four years have been the hardest years of my life, golly. Yeah. So, I mean, he answered, but uh, I, I, it just wasn't really what I expected. It never is. <laughs> it never is. Oh, yeah. And yeah. well, okay. So let's, let's keep walking through this. So you're finally kind of in this place. And, and I, I, I can totally relate to you because I've had these desperate moments where that's when I'm like down on my knees and like, God, I'm not going to live through this. If you're, you know, if you don't just take me in your hand and do something with this, like I'm, I'm not going to make it. And he's brought me through. And then, you know, you kind of get that for a while. And sometimes you're like, I'm so thankful you brought me through this, but I never want to go through that again, you know, but then (laughs) a few years later, things are fine. And you're kind of like, well, I, I miss being that desperate for him because there's a connection there that while it's not fun to go through the hard things. There's this beauty about being dependent on him and that peace that he can give you, that peace that surpasses all understanding that you were talking about <laughs> earlier, that he can give you in the midst of the most difficult things. And, you know, now sometimes I find that I crave that, but then I'm like really worried, like, oh, great, what's coming next? Because this, <laughs> this is so good and so hard all at the same time. Right. So right. so walk us through um, this uh, unexpected way he answered your prayers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was at the very end of 2017. And, and then right away in 2017, I was at practice one day and I just passed out. Whoa. Yeah. And I, and I wake up and my coach is like, you need to go to the hospital. And, you know, as elite athletes, we're like, nah, I'm good. Like, I'm fine. You know, we just think we're invincible. And my coach is like, you we're just not? passed out. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you're going to the hospital. And so they check me out and turns out I have blood clots in both of my lungs. I have pulmonary embolism. Yeah. And the doctors are just like, you know, 
good thing you you do run because we may not have caught this and it could have traveled to your brain, you know. Oh and so goodness. it was so just scary. Like, yeah. And um and so, you know, I call my mom right away and I tell her and she's like, Oh, she's she and she's a nervous wreck because she, her it turns out her mom, my grandmother, actually passed away from this. And so, you know, at, at the time I am not really realizing the severity of what pulmonary embolism is until they, they, they take me to this, um, this section of the hospital. And, and I'm, I'm like, can I please just walk around a little bit? I'm going crazy in this hospital bed. And so I'm walking around and I'm peeking into the rooms of the people that are around me. And, and it's like people who look like they're near death. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm in, you know, the ICU. <laughs> this is, this is serious, you know? And so, yeah, the doctors are coming in different, uh, you know, a heart doctor, a lung doctor, they're all just coming in, checking on me. And I, my first question is, you know, like, when can I run? Cause again, I don't really understand what my body has just experienced. And they're just like, they're trying to explain it to me, but again, sometimes you can we can be pretty ignorant as as elite athletes. Well, we don't want to see <laughs> yeah. what's going on. I think that's really yeah. the bigger picture is you we know? just don't want to believe it's real. You know, right, right. Because mm-hmm. in all honesty, I'm sitting there and I'm feeling fine. You know, I don't I don't feel like I've just been through, you know, this traumatic incident. And so that was kind of the first the first big test and and in, in the hospital I, I i i had a lot of again that peace and joy that that surpasses all understanding and you know i had a lot of nurses that were in the icu come to me and, and they were like we hate that you're here, but we love that you're here because you just bring so much joy to this war. And it's less like, I bet. <laughs> you know? I bet you live in that place. Up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that was kind of the first major thing that happened. Um, did they have to do surgery for that or how do they? They didn't. They didn't. I'm actually going to be on a, I'm on blood thinner for the rest of my life. That's the route they want to take with me. They just don't want it to happen again. So if mm-hmm. that means I have to take a pill every right. day, then, you know, right. it, that's the way to go. It does run in my family. And so, yeah, it was just kind of a, an unfortunate event. And um, But the funny thing is my coach at the time, his wife, actually, who was also a, a runner, she experienced the same thing a few years before. Oh, wow. And so he really knew how to bring me back from this because the clots don't just uh, vanish right away. It could take it can take weeks and months for them to completely dissolve. And so you still have some trouble breathing while you're running. But he he just he knew how to to carefully bring me back from this. And I'm like, okay, I see you got like that's not a coincidence, yeah. you know? That's you know? Cool. And yeah. And so he brought me back so well. And that happened in January. And by April of that year, I mean I was running phenomenally. And that is that's all that's not very long, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was I was running well. I remember I earned a spot on our world relays team in the four by 800 meter. And so, yeah, I was just clicking away. And then all of a sudden my body just shut down. Like I, I was having a hard time staying awake. I just didn't feel good. I had no energy. And um, this was in like May or June and we just couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I couldn't train. And, and I'm just like, what the heck? And so finally I had what was called reactivated mono. I'm like, really? What? Yeah. They're like, they're, apparently 
you can have mono in the past. And if your body gets so stressed out again, it can reactivate oh in your goodness. body. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I didn't course. even know I had it in the past. You know, <laughs> I did get really sick back in college one time and I didn't know it was mono, blah, blah, blah. So, so now I have mono. I'm out for the summer of of 2017, which was a big year in track and field. It was, it was a world year. So that was a bummer. Then, um, I, I, I rest all summer and I come back in the fall to start fall training. And right away I break a bolt in my foot. Oh, you're just kidding. Like, oh my goodness. God. <laughs> So this is all in 2017. This is all 2017. And so now I'm out. I'm out again. I There's no hopes of indoor season. And I'm just like, gosh, it's a world indoor year, God. And then I get that dreaded call from my agent. Oh, Nike is not going to re-sign you. And I'm like, oh, no, now I don't have an income. <laughs> Just like, God, you're just stripping me down, I guess, to build me back up. And so, yeah, 2018, um, I, I lost my contract. And so I started working part-time at, at a European Wax Center as a guest receptionist. Nice. <laughs> I just needed something where I was off my feet and that they would really work with my hours. And mm-hmm. it was a very humbling experience, <laughs> you know? And so I'm working there and I'm trying to come back from this foot injury. Finally, I get back to running again and my foot breaks again again is this the same foot every single time so back in uh 2014 when i had the surgery this was my right foot but 2017 and 2018 was the same foot same bone too same bone the fifth metatarsal yes did like it just not heal all the way exactly what they call a non like a non-closure or something like that where it just never fully healed so now this time they want to they wanted to give me surgery. Okay. Yeah. So now the pulmonary embolism, I, I you know, I, I kept the joy. The Holy Spirit was working in me. I was okay. I was just happy to be alive. The mono, I was pretty bummed. I'm like, okay. But again, I did come back from this a bit too quickly. The broken foot, I'm like, okay, God, you know, the lost contract. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I, I can work. I'll be okay. But the second broken foot, that's when I was just like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm, I'm about to break here. I'm, I'm, this is, I don't know if I can take this. So that, that one was the one that, that really got me was the, was the second time that it fractured and I had to get surgery. Mm-hmm. It's like the last straw, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got pretty, pretty low there. And, um, but I, I just prayed and, and, and listened to my worship music and, and, and had my circle of people to, to pray for me when I couldn't pray for myself mm-hmm. in some way, somehow, you know, just, just got through it, got the surgery. And um, so that the surgery in, in uh, February of 2018, that was really tough to come back from. It's in a part of my foot that, you know, I run on the outside of my foot and that's where the pin is. And so just trying to come back from that, I wouldn't say I, I felt good again until 2020. And so that was just wow. two years of, yeah, of just brutal. And, and yeah. And a lot, of, I mean, I would say every other month I said I was going to quit. <laughs> I would call up my parents, tell my coach, yeah, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of running through pain. I'm tired of working part-time. I'm just tired. Maybe this is not what God wants me to be doing. That's what the thought that was going through my head. Yeah. Maybe he's telling me it's time to move on. So, and so how did you decide it wasn't? 
every single time I said that, it would still something deep down inside would be like, <laughs> you're not done yet. You know, you're, I don't know what it is. It's hard to explain, but it was just a knowing deep down, like, nope you're not done. You're not done. And, and, it, and it was hard and I cried a lot of tears and it took a lot of perseverance and endurance and just a lot of faith. But I actually saw, you know, uh, I saw the rainbow at the end of the tunnel, at the, at the end of the storm, or the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, mm-hmm. last year when I, when I started to, to finally feel like myself out there on the track. And I'm like, Thank God I did not quit. (laughs) That's so nice to hear. But like in the middle of all that, um, you also switched clubs too, didn't you? Yeah, yes, I did. I did. So how like how hard of a decision was that, you know, closing in the Olympics, trying to heal from all of this and you're moving and changing everything like, yeah, how, how did that play out? That was tough. Um, my my coach in Phoenix, he had been through all of this with me, you know, and so we really grew a deep relationship. Um, the 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 group that I was in in Phoenix was actually um, he was actually going to be leaving that group, but he agreed to still coach me. But I do well in a group setting where it's kind of like we're having fun, but we're working hard together, and I just like that camaraderie feeling. Yeah. And to know that I was going to be the only person with my coach, I just told him like, look, I, I, I appreciate you. I love you for everything that you've brought me through, but it, I think it's time for me to make a change. And so I did my research, did, uh, took a lot of prayer and ended up here in Eugene, Oregon. I moved here in October of 2019 joined this group. My foot still wasn't right, but there's a lot of resources in this group, which is what attracted me to it. And they got me healthy relatively quickly. I would say by 2020, by early 2020, during the indoor season, I was starting to feel like myself. And then the news of the (laughs) Olympics comes. (laughs) And, so how, and that has affected everybody so drastically differently. Were you actually relieved or were you kind of like, well, man, I thought I was almost done with this thing. Like, how, which, which way did you land on that? Offense? Oh, man. Honestly, I was a little relieved, a little thankful because when you join a new group and a new coach, sometimes it takes your body a while to adjust to that different training. And so I knew that this extra year was definitely a blessing in disguise for me. And so deep, I mean, at first I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, but then when I thought about it, I'm like, actually this, this is going to work in my favor if I have even more time to develop under this coach. That's cool. Well, has it, I mean, have you guys been able to continue training pretty steadily or has it been a lot of in and out and up and down and all that? Yeah. Yeah. So Eugene is, is pretty much the running capital of the world, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? And so they, when, when everything kind of went on lockdown, they kept the tracks open for us. We just had to go, you know, in small groups, wear our masks, but you know, they were very supportive of us still training. So I was actually lucky, unlike a lot of people around the world to continue to train, to continue to grow under this coach. They actually even put on some races for us in Portland. Wow. Yeah, we would have to get, I mean, the people at the hospital that we would go to for the COVID test, they actually, it came to a point where they would look forward to see us because we were there so much. But yeah, we would, yeah, they put on a series 
of meats for us, you know, very low key, which is kind of what I needed because it had been so long <laughs> since I competed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to get out there again, put on a uniform and just get out there and run. It was just like, okay, like I'm feeling like myself. I'm clicking along just to kind of, it was good to test if the training was moving in the right direction. And so we, I want to say I ran six to seven races this summer, which a lot of people cannot say the same thing. So yeah, like no one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I was so, so, so excited about this year. I I went home to Pennsylvania for um, a month and a half just to kind of take a break from training. Then I returned here to Eugene for fall training in October and it was, oh, I was feeling so good. It was the best fall. I'm not a big mileage person. I I do not like fall training. I don't like <laughs> hills and just, it's just a grind, a different type of grind for mm-hmm. someone who likes to run fast on the track, right. you know, but I embrace it because I know it's going to pay off. And then in November, we're running a hill session. The hill is filled with leaves. I don't see a pothole. I step in it and I crack my foot again. The and I'm same, just like, oh, same yeah, one. The same. This is the third time now. And I'm just like, oh, that, yeah, that one. I can, I, I can still feel the pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, that, that was, that was tough to, that was a tough pill to swallow. Honestly, I considered retirement after that. Cause I was just like, there's, there's not enough time, you know, this foot has to heal. It's going to take two to three months. What am I going to do? And I definitely considered retirement, but I said, you know what, Chanel, you have come too far. God has brought you too far now to turn back. Now you got to see this thing all the way through, release your plans, your timing to him. And even if it doesn't work out the way that you have in mind, the the woman that you have become through this journey (laughs) is worth it, you know? So, you know, of course I would love to be at the Olympics. I would love to win a medal, but honestly, a gold medal is, for me is is just more like Jesus through this process, yeah. <laughs> through this whole sport, you know. And so I just I'm trying to enjoy it, you know. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit behind, and I know that. But my coach, you know, we're taking it one day at a time, and I'm healthy now, and that's what that's matters. Great. And yeah, it's not it's not going to be easy. It, it, it's not, <laughs> and I know that. But um, I'm I'm gonna try, and I'm gonna see what happens, and, and that's all I can do at this point. So I love that. And so, are your trials in June? Yeah, my trials are in June. We're actually gonna head up to uh, Flagstaff, Arizona, for some altitude training. I've never done that before. I'm a nervous wreck. <laughs> are you going down there soon? Yeah, we're gonna leave in a little in a little less than three weeks. So okay, where, where are the trials at? The trials are actually here in Eugene. Oh, yeah. nice. Oh, that'll, that's going to be awesome to like yeah. do it at home. You yes, know, that's going to yes. feel good. Yeah, yeah. And I keep I keep saying this is it for me. Um, I do believe that, you know, I mean, maybe God will tell me different. But yeah, I think I, I think this is it. I think uh, I'll be done after this, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question because you have done, I mean, you, you won the world championships individually and you've got, you've won several golds in the relays as well at worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And did you win two or three? 
Three. Yeah. So cool. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So, and you've been to three Olympic trials and I'm sure each one of those was a vastly different experience. (laughs) Like how, I guess, how were those for you? Because one, you were really young and then, you know, I'm sure you were at different growth stages during each one of those. I'd kind of like to hear the differences um, in how they went for you and how you're walking into this year's trials based on what you've experienced, not just at those trials, but in the last few years. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, the first one I was 17. So I was just happy to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like a deer in Experience, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Just like, okay, I'm here. Just being here is is winning. So um, yeah, that one was just for the experience, like you said. Um, The next one, I was 21. 2021, I think. And I was a senior in college. Um, and that was still when, you know, that pressure and expectation was heavy. And so I, I just remember being so just like tight and I hate everybody and I'm going to, you know, just, you know, just a different type of approach to it. And of course that didn't work for me. That, 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 that type of, that, that works for some people. It just does not work for me. I'm gotcha. more, I have to be more lighthearted and kind of enjoying it. So um, yeah, did not do well there. And again, in 2016, bit older, but it was at that time where I was kind of in that gray area, not all in with God and, you know, it could easily slip back into that pressure, got to do this. And I, and that's what I did. I, it was an Olympic year and I'm like, I, ha- I have to, I have to make this team. My life depends on it. And right. so, you know, that, um, again, did not go well. So <laughs> this time I'm 30 and I've been through a lot and I'm just, I just so thankful. I'm going to be so thankful to just step on that line because it's my first USA championships in five years. I have not been there since 2016. I believe that everything I've experienced is what is going to get me around that track. Just that motivation, like you have overcome so much, you know, and that's just going to be that extra fire I need, but also just approaching it as an opportunity, as a blessing, as a chance to use my gift. That's, you know, when I approach it with that type of perspective, the sky truly is the limit for me because I'm free and I'm just running for an audience of one and I'm not thinking about anything else besides using my gift. And and for me, that's when things seem to fall into place. And so I'm just excited. Um, and I, I just pray that as it approaches, I don't, I don't slip back into that younger Chanel who does put all of that pressure on myself because it's, it's easy to do. It really is when you want something bad enough, you, you know, and, and some pressure is good. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, but it shouldn't get you to the point of suicide. Like it has for me in the past that, that that's just not okay. That is not a healthy relationship with sport. And I would never want anybody. I, it just, it just breaks my heart that I know I'm not the only person out there who feels that way, whose entire identity is wrapped up in their sport. It, it, it's a dangerous place to be in. It, it is. Cause there's just that. Yeah. If you're, if you're depending on your time or your place in the podium to validate who you are as a person, you're never going to every time live up to that. And then it, even if you do well for a while, your expectations will just continue to build. And at some point you will never be able to meet them. And and you're just setting yourself up for failure and disappointment. And j- like you said, just being crushed and, and feeling so defeated that you just didn't want to go on. And But knowing that who you are matters no matter what you do on the field or in your sport, like 
you matter because of who you are, because you're fearfully and wonderfully made, period. Like God loves you anyway. Like he he died for you <laughs> before you even did all this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. He knew it was coming Ooh. and he loves you anyway. And I just, yeah, I love that, that reminder. It's so good, especially for athletes. We just, we lose that so easily. Even once you know that, it's so <laughs> easy. Like you said, it's to slip back in there and you're like, yeah. why, why am I thinking that way? So it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to have people around you that, that understand that and can help kind of like, Hey, I see this look in your eye. Like I know where you're going or <laughs> I don't like the way you're talking to yourself. You know, like I, it's, it's nice to have the community around you. Like you talked about in 2017, when you were going through all that and then your foot again, and but you had community around you, like people praying with you and that were there for you. It's a really important to surround yourself with people who are going to continue to lift you up and help you see that you have value just because of who you are. So I love that. I think that's super important. Absolutely. I love it. And there's this quote that I try to repeat to myself often, like, this is, this is what you do. It's not who you are. You know, and that just kind of brings me back into the right perspective. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. This is what you do, not who you are. That's beautiful. Well, I I would like to know kind of two more kind of quick things. Like what now, having been through all of this experience, crazy success, experience, devastation, like all of it, what today is your definition of success to you? Success for me is setting a goal and going after it. And even if you do not achieve what it is that desperately want to achieve, success truly is the person that you become in that pursuit. And so the character that you develop in the process of pursuing these dreams that God has placed in your heart and maximizing these gifts that he's given you, i don't think he's so concerned with the outcome as he is the process. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes I, when I'm reflecting, I'm like, maybe he puts these desires and these dreams in our heart. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I believe that he would love for us to achieve them. But even if we don't, the person that we become along the way, I think that's what makes that brings a smile to God's face, you know? Um, I love that. And so I'm trying to just embrace that. And, and it doesn't change the fact that I want to go out there and I want to win and I want to win a gold medal. But it just think that the person that you become along the way is so much more important. Mm. I love that. I feel like you just mic drop right now. <laughs> walk away. But don't, don't walk away yet. I got one more question. Oh, okay. <laughs> so of course, like I said, I stalked you a little bit and um, I heard you on your Instagram talking about the importance of your why. Can you tell us why that's important and what your why is? Why it's important is because those, you know, those times, these past four years when I wanted to give up and I thought about quitting, the sole thing that kept me going that was my why, you know, and my why is that I have this God-given talent that I am going to, you know, I feel obligated to maximize because it's a gift and I want to maximize this gift that he's given me. And so until I feel like I've done everything to do that, I'm not done yet. 
And so when I can look back and say, I, oh, I gave him my all, I finished my race. That was all I had to give. And I can walk away knowing that, you know, I, I, I did a good job with this gift that God has blessed me with. But I just, I, every single time I wanted to walk away, I'm like, no, I, I have a little bit more left in me. I have a little bit more left in me. And so that's truly what kept me going. That was my why. You know, don't sacrifice the gift. Don't sacrifice the gift. I would say that to myself. Don't sacrifice the gift, Nellie. Don't sacrifice the gift. Get up. Get out of bed. I know you're tired. I know you don't want to go on the bike, but yeah. So that's truly what keeps me going. Yeah. Uh, I love that <laughs> so much. That's so good. Well, where where can we follow you online to continue to support you and cheer you on this year and see you continuing to just put it all out there? Yeah. So on Instagram, the letter C and then price run. And then on Twitter, C price run seven. And then on Facebook, if you just type in my full name, Chanel Price, you'll find me and I am working on a new website. So hopefully I have that out soon. Awesome. (laughs) Yes. Exciting. Well, Chanel, thank you so much for joining us today, for encouraging us where we are at in our journeys, but also just for being so vulnerable in what you walked through, uh, both emotionally and physically, and just kind of showing us how you got through that and that there is always hope beyond what's happening in front of us right now. And we just, I really appreciate that. And I wish you all the best this year going uh, toward trials in Tokyo. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's always so fun to reminisce. I don't know if you can like feel my emotion with some of those stories, but for sure. Yes, yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.